Before we get too far into this podcast, I want to thank the folks at Racetech. Pulp 23 is the code to save. Tell them you listen to Pulp. Service centers all across America as well. They will. Uh, they have that world-famous gold valve. It's a revalve in a box. And uh, the guys at Racetech have been doing stuff since the early 80s. They know what's going on. They do a good job with stuff. Motor work as well. The solitary Yamaha guys use it. So if you're a local shop and you want someone reliable, someone who will sign an NDA and do the work for you with their state-of-the-art machines, it's Racetech. Racetech.com. Uh, for more information, springs, parts, seals, bushings, all that stuff available at Racetech.com. They help you just uh, be a better suspension guy if you have an independent shop out there. Also, all balls racing, whether it's uh, the hot cams, whether it's uh, hot rods, whether it's pivot works, the all balls racing group have you covered. Modern bikes, vintage bikes, allballsracing.com. They have steering stem conversion kits as well. Really, really neat website with a lot of parts. I've used a lot of this stuff to build my vintage bikes over the years, and uh, it always fits well. It's super good pricing, and it works great. Allballsracing.com. So thanks for those companies, and on with the show. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original moto podcast featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with Mike LaRocco. Yeah, catch up, catch up with The Rock. Find out what he's doing now. And I uh, appreciate you guys listening. Thank you to Fly Racing. Justin Brayton still wearing Fly Racing. He's going to be doing the World Supercross stuff uh, this fall in Fly Racing. RJ Hampshire, Fly Racing. Chiz, McElrath, uh, Max Anstey, Dean Wilson, flyracing.com. From the Formula Helmet to the FR5 boots, they'll have you covered head-to-toe. The Zone Pro goggle, uh, the Formula Helmet, read up on flyracing.com on what makes this helmet amazing. The Conehead EPS, the uh, Rion technology, it's quiet, it's lightweight, it's super safe, it's well-vented. Thank you to Fly Racing for all that they do for us, and uh, they have some gear that will fit you well, whether it's the patrol stuff for off-road or their top-of-the-line motocross stuff, it's the Evo line. They have the BOA uh, closure system on Evo and light lines, colors that will make it uh, uh, worthwhile for you as well. So watercraft, jet ski, flyracing.com for more information on that. Maxxis tires. Thank you to guys at Maxxis. MXSTs used by Jeremy McGrath. And, uh, wow, great mountain bike tires, of course, as well. A-Ray using MXTs to put it in the main events, at least uh, when he was healthy. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't thought about Maxxis for a tire, premium tire, UTV stuff, did I mention that? It's great. Maxxis.com for more information on that. Thank you to Maxxis for coming on board the podcast and supporting us, Swap Moto Live and other guys. So they support a number of uh, industry podcasts. So thank you, Maxxis. And Renthal, Renthal.com. They have a uh, really informative website there, Monster Energy Kawasaki. Of course, uh, Red Bull KTM, 
uh, factory Honda, all using Renthal products. Mike LaRocco used uh, Renthal as well over the years. So thank you to Renthal. Uh, they have 7 eighths bar. They have the uh, Fat Bar 36. They'll have you covered no matter what. Renthal.com over there in the UK. And uh, chances are if you are listening to this to a Mike LaRocco podcast, you're a veteran fan of racing. And that means you've used something from Renthal. Chains, sprockets, grips, bars at some point. Renthal.com for more information. And if you're a mountain biker, by the way, carbon and aluminum bars. All right, I'll talk more about motorsport.com and Cobalinks later on in this show. But for now, here's a conversation I had with The Rock, Mike LaRocco. Thanks for listening, everybody. And now on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, it is great to catch up with truly one of the, uh, one of the best riders to ever come around in any era. And uh, he is a national champion as well. It's The Rock, Mike LaRocco. What's up, Mike? How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for you? doing this. Yeah, thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate it. Um, what, uh, so what's been going on with you lately? What's been happening? What, uh, have you been going to the races? I haven't seen you, but, uh, how's it been going? <clears throat> yeah, it's going good. Um, no, nothing really to do with moto. Um, I think I actually watched my first race with my boys, uh, about, I think it was Anaheim two or which, whatever one was the, uh, triple crown. Yeah. 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 Anaheim two. Um, but other than that, just kind of a whole different world, uh, you know, just different. I mean, the people I hang out with now don't know anything about racing. It's just, just a different world. Really? Huh? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, um, Kehoe is kind of, you know, a guy that you worked with and a guy that you know, well, um, I talked to him a little while ago and, you know, he'd left Honda and he's the same deal. Like he just, it's all you guys know. It's all you've been doing. It's literally your whole lives 24 7 and it must just be nice to get away yeah and that's i think that's how it started i mean when i when i was done with geico um i didn't really know what to do so Mm -hmm. um you know i was going through a lot of life crap at the time so it just it was just a full reset and then um different challenges and and uh that just kind of you know it it occupied my time enough to to you know racing just kind of went in the in the background yeah oh that's funny um do you, are you happy though is it good you're in a good spot yeah. yeah 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 good good yeah that that's something that i think a lot of racers struggle with a little bit right um i know when i got done being a mechanic i'm still in the industry obviously as a media guy but when i got done being a mechanic i couldn't believe like all the the time i had on my hands and the things i could do with my wife and the things that i could do with my friends and I imagine when you and Geico parted ways, you were the same way where you're like, okay, like, wow, I didn't realize. Because, I mean, you, you're you all in, right? You're testing for the team. You're managing the riders. Um, were you surprised to kind of find out that this life is pretty good away from the sport? Well, um, yes, for the most part. Different. You know, it was it was, I mean, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed everything about the race life, but you know, different. Sometimes I think really what led me to really appreciate being done was not living out of a bag. You <laughs> yeah, know? And, yeah. and so, um, you know, and having some weekends and, and stuff like that to where, you know, no stress, just hanging out. So th- those things, um, you know, as little as they are, are kind of like, uh, refreshing. Yeah. And so the the travel, I mean, honestly, I like traveling, but mm-hmm. not when you have to, you know, sure. different. Yeah, totally different. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. I think about, like, if my wife and I will uh, jet off to Cabo here and there, and, like, I'm excited, even though I'm getting on a plane. And, 
like going to you know Tampa a couple weeks ago, I was just like, oh god, I gotta go to Tampa, like a long flight, you know, <laughs> right. totally different, totally. Right. So, um, hey, fair to say you were pretty pissed off at at, uh, at the way you and Geico parted ways is kind of what I heard. Is that is that a fair assumption? Um, I don't know if I pissed off. No, okay. um, it was it it was kind of like. Um, no, not like that at all. Just okay. it was at a time where I, I everybody that was, you know, the the Geico base, you know, the the owners, myself, everybody had been doing it for a while. And I know um you know, Ziggy was kind of getting to the point where he would rather stay home and, you know, go to a music venue on the weekend than the races. And and I was kind of getting to the point where I was tired of, you know, traveling and it was a, you know, it is, it's a uh, it's a 24 seven gig, like you said. Yep. <laughs> and, um, they were also, I think kind of always, I think there was some things going on with Geico at the time. And, mm-hmm. and it's, they were trying to position themselves where, um, Honda was more involved. So it wasn't so much stress on the, the financial side of the, you know, the owners. Mm-hmm. And so in order for them to sort of, you know, get a little bit of freedom, they had to let Honda control it. So I I wasn't pumped about that part of it. But at the same time, um, I mean, I wanted what was best for them, and and that was what was best for them at the time. So, you know, I kind of just, you know, felt like I had to hand off the reins. Yeah. Yeah. uh, it's, It's a weird, it's always been a weird dynamic with Honda. You know, you guys were helping K-Dub for a long time, and he was winning races, and they weren't always pumped that K-Dub was winning races, right? Like, it, it's such a weird – and this is – with and, uh, uh, Chaparral with Yamaha and, and, and the factory team, it, it's a weird thing. They don't necessarily always that pump that that brand won. It's, <laughs> it's a political thing. Sometimes. Yeah, and I, I didn't understand it either, and I, right. I don't really – like that environment uh or to feel mm-hmm. uh, unwelcome or you know whatever it might yeah. be yeah but it definitely i mean you're not wrong it was definitely always weird yeah always weird yeah uh, it uh it is strange to see so i was going to ask you about what you thought of the season and stuff but i'll just skip that forget that <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not watching it as much as uh no. as you once were um and it was yeah. It's funny. The first couple of years, I'd check the results every weekend. I, I don't really – I haven't watched it. I don't really even – I just found out that you can get it on Peacock, I okay. guess. Okay, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but I haven't had a TV for, I don't know, for a long time. So I haven't really watched anything. Um, but I used to check the results, and, and even that lately, I just yeah. – I, I, I don't even know who won last weekend. Yeah. But – Yeah. So – Anyway, it just just fades, I guess. No, it happens, man, for sure. And like you know, people don't understand how hard you guys you worked either in your racing career. Or, uh, you know, you took a couple years off when you retired, but you were pretty much jumping right back into it. And you don't do anything half-assed, so you're all in, no. right? So, <laughs> um, hey, so do you ever see yourself coaching or being a manager again or anything? I mean, like you're enjoying your time now. And all of that, do you ever see yourself coming back, or do you think this this could be it? Like Mike Fisher is another guy, just gone, right? And he's out of the industry. And Kehoe doesn't sound like he has any interest either. And uh, and I respect all that. But what do you do? You think you see, you see yourself come back at all? I mean, I, I'm not opposed. <clears throat> I I think obviously, you know, we all learn how, what we miss and, mm-hmm. and what we do different. I mean, and in, in, in certain lights, yeah. I mean, I, I miss it. 
and, you know, and I liked, you know, trying to, you know, lift people up or sharing what you know. I mean, it kind of seems sometimes it feels a little bit uh, odd to have all that experience and, and do nothing with it, you know. Um, but, you know, if it's the grind, eh, probably not. Yeah. Probably in, a, in a hurry. Um, is it true that you, you left because Will Hong kept wanting to hug you? And that you finally had enough of that. <laughs> that was part of it. <laughs> that was part of it. Will says you were still like Will. Obviously, is uh, a trainer now with TLD and and Colt Nichols, and he was manager for Star for a while. He he tells me uh, I talked to him a little while ago that you know he he leaned on you for a while for some advice, and he still looks at things that you did and the way you ran the team as sort of way that he wants to be. So you know that's good. Yeah. No, and I, I respect Will, and and um, I'm glad he's. Uh, you know, I know you've heard any sport coach's story. I mean, some of the things that, you know, the, your best memories are when you can actually le- uh, lean into somebody and they 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 get it and they mm-hmm. take it and they use it and they respect uh, the advice given and, and it, you know, it makes it worthwhile sometimes. Yeah, even Trey mentioned your name too because Trey's doing testing for Honda now. I don't know if you knew that, but he was testing for Honda, kind of like what you did for your team. And yeah. yeah, he he made he dropped your name a few times on things that he learned, you know. So it's cool, I guess, a little bit for you. Yeah, no, and like I said, it, it, when the things you know, those you've been around uh, these are it's young man sport, and uh, when the guys first come in, they you know they they know what they know, and they you know maybe their father, or maybe their you know their their man friend or whatever, but mm-hmm. they, they think they know what they need to know. And they just, you know, they forget that when they come into a team that has had, you know, prior to them, you know, 50 riders, mm-hmm. we, we have that, you know, that broad base of experience that, you know, we've seen guys just like you before and we know what path you're headed down and, and they, they forget that. And the ones that actually listen, you just appreciate because, you know, you, it's not going on death ear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Um, and, and it seems like you left an impact with people you worked with, which is always a neat thing to say. You know, th- I guess well, th- that in six bucks will get you a, a latte at Starbucks, but you know, nah, maybe <laughs> might be six fifty. Yeah, yeah, no, but you know what I mean. Like, it's cool that you've you've you know, even in twenty twenty three, there's a couple people out there that mention you, talk about you, talk about the influence you had on them. So, no, no, I appreciate it. It's great. Um. So okay, I was let's go let's go in the time machine. Well, actually, let me ask you this. So I heard a little while ago. I don't know if this is still true, and this might have been a few years ago. But someone was telling me the story that you live right by Emig, and and you guys <laughs> see each other. And I just think that's hilarious because if there was one guy in your racing career that you didn't like, it was Jeff Emig. <laughs> well, that, there is a. a, a... Funny story. So we were. It's in. I don't live there anymore. But okay. It, yeah. It was yeah. In Corona. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I remember I was. Uh, I was on the other side of my divorce, and I remember sitting at. Uh, what the heck's the name of that place? Um, Wood Ranch. Okay. Yep. And uh, so I, I would. I'd kind of go select places, and you know, sit at the bar and have a meal or whatever. Yep. And. There just this one day. There's having one seat left next to me, <laughs> and sure enough, <clears throat> Emic comes in and sits down next to me, <laughs> and he's like, "I think I'm going through what you're going through," and I'm like, "What the hell?" Oh. And, <clears throat> and so, in my head, I'm like, "There's no way that this guy can be my wingman." 
<laughs> this is a story I heard. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, it was funny. I mean, we're, of course, yes. on the other side of that now. Yeah. Adults, but no. it is funny. It, 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 I had a, a huge laugh. The the guy that you took a running football kick uh, <laughs> and it kicked him in the ribs in Pontiac or I think it was Pontiac. Um, that's that's the that's your guy that you're leaning on or, or yeah. yeah exactly right. Um, no, I thought that was great. It was it was uh, really really good stuff. I, as a guy that's sort of like I'm such a fan, right? And I know the history with you two. It was <laughs> and it was just yeah. I, I thought it was great. So um, all right, Mike Larocca here on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. By the way. All right, let's go into the time machine a little bit, and and I want to got some questions for your career. Now we've done a long form podcast years ago. People can look it up. This isn't going to be that, uh, but I went through your career, and you told me some great stuff, and uh, so I'll bounce I bounce some of the stuff off of that, and then into some new questions for you. And people can uh, search the archives for the original uh, Larocco podcast way back in the day. But I guess, um, by the way, did you know, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you are the uh, number one uh, all-time point scorer in our sport. You have more points combined than anybody else in our sport. Did, were you aware of this? No, I did not know that. Yes, yes. You have uh, uh, Supercross and Motocross. Nobody has more points than you. So there you go. There's another thing you've learned today. <laughs> so, um, what, so your last win, Indianapolis 04, right? Really, I was there, super crowd-going nuts, hometown guy. Uh, it was a real kind of unexpected win to you, and you did a great job to grab it. What what means more to you, that win or your first one, your first 250 Supercross win, now 450 Supercross, of course, uh, was Vegas, like, 91. Which which one stays with you more? Uh, well, the hometown, for sure. Okay. And, and just uh, that in particular was – you know, with the crowd so into it. I mean, that's a whole different story than, yeah, the first one was great, but mm -hmm. I was on a, you know, I was a kid with, you know, a future ahead of me and, and it's on the flip side, the, the indie one was, you know, tail end and, um, and hometown. And, you know, I don't think you could have asked for a better situation on the, on that. I, I mean, bummer my, it was my last win, but for sure to win an indie was, you know, more, more of a premier memory. And from my memory, you kind of just took off with it, right? Like, I think you pretty much just, yeah. Well, I whole shot it. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Threw everything off. <laughs> which was probably the number one thing, reason that things were going to get weird that night, was you grabbed the whole shot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so your last one then means more than your first one, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, also, um, MXDN wins. You won in. You were the B team, quote unquote, one in Australia. Uh, how did you get picked for that? Like, I I know you were one of the best riders, like, but we had Bradshaw turning it down and Stanton turning it down and whatever. Like, do you remember being like, oh, really? Because you, you know you're still early in your your career. You hadn't done what you were gonna do, uh, Billy Lyles, Fro, and yourself. Like, what do you remember b behind that? The MXDN '92. Well, <coughs> excuse me. Um. I remember, well, first of all, I was leading the 125 series, so for them not to pick me was, you know, a little bit, uh, for me to be on the B team was a little bit kind of a... <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, you were like, hey, wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that really was the start of my, um, you know, my best result years um, back in the early 90s. So, um I mean, I guess it's, I think it was a beat, you know, we had the premier guys at the time turn it down, but I mean, 
I, I don't know. I didn't have that mindset back then. Sure. I, I kind of felt like, um, you know, we were, I was going to win anyway. I didn't really care what anybody else thought. So, and, and again, those guys were, um, uh, I mean, it's tough. Those races are tough because they, they come and, and at that time that was in the middle of our season. Yeah. Now, now it's, um, now it's at the end, but, um, to take a whole sidetrack sidestep mm-hmm. and, and, you know, do that kind of thing. They're always hard. And, um, I mean, it's an honor to do, but at the same time, probably the most stressful situation you get to be in and then get to do that, uh, as a, as a, also, or as a, you know, it really means only that. It's just what your uh, what you can do for your country, and everybody gets to look at you if whether you do it right or wrong. Um, you know, in the season, you at least have it's twelve races to mm-hmm. you know to recover from. But anyway, um, it, it, I didn't look at it like the B team. I did look at it. I mean, I went. I think, I think two of the two. I know I lost on two of them. Which yeah. Um, you know, it's not fun. No. It's not fun. So when you show up in Australia and it's just like a deep sand track, are you are you still just super confident? You're just – I mean, you, you're riding the 250, uh, but that's not a huge deal because you rode 250s a lot at that point. But were you like, oh, deep sand track, like Europeans, like I, we could be in trouble here? Uh, I didn't know. I don't think I knew any better. We had – I mean, if you go back that far, I mm-hmm. think we had the winning streak, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really – I didn't really expect anybody to to beat me. Um, of course, I mean I, you you don't know, but I mean I didn't I didn't expect to be um, you know treated like a B team. Like we were lucky to win. Okay, yeah, interesting. Because um, like, yeah, history looks at it like oh the big guys turned it down, but yeah, when you think right. about it, you're leading the points, and I guess Froze is kind of a up and coming at this point too, right? Like so, there is that. Billy Lyles was close to winning 500 GPS. In Europe, yeah, you know, and he so. was already over there yep. knowing those guys. And Emic, who was you know was my competition at the time, mm-hmm. so I didn't, I don't know, I didn't really look at it that way. I yeah. mean, I get now looking back, we see yeah. that it yep. clearly says we were the B team, but I didn't really feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> so we had uh, Mike Krodowski called us on the Pulp MX show not that long ago, um, and was rapping. We had uh, a couple of his friends in the studio here, of course your uh, your teammate for many years, and he talked about that '94 loss and. Just, you know, just what a bummer it was. What, you know, he just maybe the worst moment in his career. He didn't ride like he thought he could. He said that you, you know, you were really good, but you probably didn't ride that well either as much as you wanted to. I think you, I think you went one, two, two, one with Nickel in the 500s. It was close, I think. Yeah, it was, it was close, but. How devastating was that loss? Because, yeah, you guys are the ones that ended the streak, right? Right. Yeah. Um, that one was tough because, um, they, well, that tr- track was so unique for mm-hmm. us too, as well. I mean, they it's wide open. Showed huh? up. Yeah, <laughs> well, we showed up, and there wasn't even a track. It was this all grass <laughs> with a bunch of banners, <laughs> and the rocks there were ridiculous. I just think it was, um, you know, kind of caught everybody off guard a little bit. But I do remember. I mean, I, I was on the five hundred that mm-hmm. that time, and I remember there was this one drop. Where you, it was major hills there, and you go down and then through the valley and then up the other side. And I remember so fast down there that you felt the G's at the bottom where you you couldn't even stand up through it. <clears throat> it was kind of like crazy fast track. It's nothing we were really used to. And then, yeah, uh, 
like I said, I think you had a decent one, but Mike didn't, and then and then Emig was wasn't great either. Um, it it yeah, that has to suck. I was on one team as a mechanic, oh three, uh, Zolder, and we lost. Team USA lost, and I was just a parts changing mechanic. But I was like, holy shit, like this sucks. Like everyone's really mad around me. I wasn't, but like everyone was really bummed out. You know? Uh, yeah, I felt. I remember feeling. Or I think it was Bevo's first as a manager as mm-hmm. well. I think, and I remember just feeling. Like, you know, we let him down and, like, we let everybody down. I mean, yeah, it was a, a bummer ride back for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine that would, you know, yeah, especially, that you know, that would that would not be not be very fun. Um, all right, let's uh, – I want to go through some of your team changes and take me back through some of those times when you switch teams. Um, we know the Suzuki one is going to come up here, and you've told us before that was not a great – switch but let's let's get into it a little bit so you're an up-and-coming yamaha amateur support guy you're winning 125 supercrosses you're 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 getting top fives and nationals and um i don't know i guess suzuki picks you out of nowhere or i don't know if you if you if yamaha dropped you or yamaha couldn't offer you what suzuki did but why the switch to suzuki um from yamaha who i would think like if I'm Yamaha, I'm like, oh, I really should keep Mike LaRocco. Like, you literally were a, kind of an upcoming kid. Yeah, that one was um, that one was a little bit uh, hard because I, I mean, at the time, my 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 parents had a Honda Yamaha dealership, <clears throat> and uh, I had you know been Yamaha guy that that whole mm-hmm. time so far, and but it was really just about um, Yamaha offered me uh, support you know, a continued support ride and Suzuki basically offered me a box fan. And if you can imagine back then the box fan was, you know, it was where you wanted to be. And so I could have continued on with Yamaha with pulling a trailer behind my parents' motorhome or I'd had a box fan. And that was kind of like as a kid. Yeah. I felt like I needed a box fan. (laughs) Of course. Box fans were sweet. But was it also a factory bike? In, in yeah. Nine, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was a full factory gig with Suzuki, yeah, and yeah. it was a support ride with Yamaha. Okay, and mon- and more yeah. money with Suzuki or whatever. Like, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it it probably worked out fairly similar because when you factor in, you know, paid expense first, you know, yeah. um, you know, it it probably wasn't enough. I mean, if you if I'm looking back as more of a businessman now. Mm-hmm. Probably not that big a deal. So no, yeah, no qualms. No, no qualms for you for going to Suzuki, who at that time, I mean, they had a decent bike, but you know their program had been on the skids a little bit. And that 1990 team, by the way, there was 12 of you guys. I don't know, it was, <laughs> there was like so many. Of you. Their, yeah, their program was a mess, but their 125 <laughs> was actually good. Yeah, when I when I went over there first round. And I, um, gu- I guess if you're McCarty, you're like, hey, we got Damon Bradshaw. Yeah, we're and set. I, I don't know. Yeah, and I think who else was there? Um, Diamond and uh, yeah, that would have been last year of Diamond's career. It was ninety. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe Glover. He might have. Did he finish in eighty nine? Yeah, no, he was done in eighty eight. He was done at the end of eighty eight. Yeah. Um, did you? So if I go by the Racer X vault, and again, maybe you don't remember this, but it looks like you won your first ever Supercross. Did you? Did you race and not qualify? Or is this uh, is this vault correct? Like eighty eight Pontiac, you won, and it looks like it was your first Supercross. I don't know. <laughs> I, um, that doesn't sound right because okay. I remember 
Um, well, heck, it could have been. So did I? I must have done West Coast in '89. So, heck, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I started. I, I will tell you this. I did start at Nationals and not in Supercross. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, we have some nationals results. You started at Millville in '87, I guess after Loretta's, right? Yeah, um, and so that would have made sense then if I went into Supercross. But is sure Pontiac was the first round? That's what it says here. But sometimes the vault can be wrong. But that's what it yeah. says. Um, I know I won a race or two that season, but I know the hoop won the championship. I don't know what. It yeah. just seems like I would have messed up somewhere because. Um, I probably should have won that. Do, the hoop got a little mad at me because I suggested that you should have won this title because there was one, <laughs> there was one ninth for you and and maybe there was a DN, maybe there was a DNQ one race. Yeah, maybe. And and the hoop won it. Congrats, you know he rode awesome. But I made a suggestion that you should have won based, and he got mad at me. But anyways, um, well, he'll be all right. Um, twenty twenty. <laughs> uh, so all right. So basically, it was a a factory ride versus a support ride is why you switched. Basically, yeah. In my memory, yeah, um, yeah. In my memory, yeah, I felt like it, it gave me an avenue forward quicker. Right, right. And bike was good. Team was a team was a mess. It was Heben, I think, as manager trying to corral all you guys. But uh, yeah, it was a mess. It, yeah. Um, also, I think they were moving locations and just not what you would imagine a factory team to be like. I mean, compared to Yamaha, I saw theirs, and that was yeah, you know, pretty tight and. And I uh, put together, so definitely, um, my reference was it was a mess. <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? <laughs> um, so that year, you ride 250 Supercross, 250 Motocross. Was it always a plan for you to drop into 125 Motocross after the 250s? Because obviously, no 500. Was that? Uh, did you agree to that? And you knew that going in? I, <clears throat> I, I don't recall whether I knew it or not, but okay. um, and. I'm going to assume that I had to because the, you know, they didn't have a 500 and, mm-hmm. um, but also I was still 125. Uh, well, I think we had eligibility back then. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, I kind of, I kind of looked for, for I, I liked it. So I, I don't remember. Yeah. All I know is that, um, you know, that, the. It started because I had a factory opportunity. So we did a couple of those re-raceable podcasts that I was telling you about with Mike Kurdowski on his two on his two seasons, 89, where he won the outdoors, and then 90, where he lost to Cooper. And if you read Cycle News and if you talk to Mike and some different industry people around that time, it was pretty much understood that yourself, uh, Larry Ward, um, basically like, hey, help out uh, Buell maybe. Maybe Buell dropped down too. Um, help out guy uh, when you can, and it looks like you guys did. Was that a, a spoken thing or an unspoken thing to help him win that title? Uh, well, it was about <clears throat> the only thing that was spoken was if you're ahead of him and he's in the next, you know, he's within a guy or two, mm-hmm. then, you know, we need to get those points. So it wasn't like uh, our mission was that. Yep. But if, you know, if he was in sight, and don't take the points away from him, was what I remember. And then uh, there's a quote from you in one of the second loses that you were saying, I don't want to get involved in this title thing. And it said, maybe it was the last round at Unadilla where they were like, Morocco was the fastest guy, but you know, kind of appeared to slow, I think the quotes were. 
uh, the, the the description was appeared to slow, and then you the, there was a quote from you saying, I, "You know, I just don't want to get involved in this in this title fight." I mean, yeah, yeah. I didn't, but we were. <laughs> <laughs> well, you won Millville though, so that had to f- make you feel good for your first national win, where you were like, "Yeah, like I dropped down in this class, and look at me, I can ride a one twenty five, you know." Yeah. So. Yep. Um, your results were pretty good after that year when you dropped down. Uh, you went one, two, three, three at the last four. Uh, so yeah, people were probably like, "Yeah, this guy's really good." So, um, all right, Suzuki to Cowie for ninety-two. Uh, Cowie was your longtime home. After that, I'm guessing you were like, uh, "Yeah, I'll go to like a better team slash bike." That's like Suzuki probably tried to keep you, and you were like, "No." Uh, a little different than that. Okay. Um, d- Cowie gave me an offer to ride the 125 as a premier, their premier guy. Mm-hmm. And having done those, you know, year-end 125 races, I, I kind of liked it. So <clears throat> I think the main motivation for me at that time was to get a, a title. And I thought I was ready to. So um, I think in 92, I went there. Obviously, we started off 250 Supercross. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I, I kind of felt like the pr- premier guy for the first time, uh, you know, even though it was on 125 at the time, uh, and that just, and it, it just felt right at the, at the time. The Zuki was, I, I wasn't, you know, too pumped on the, the team and, um, yeah. it just seemed like the right thing to do. It was a pretty much, I think it was a very easy decision going that way. You won your first Supercross uh, for them at the opener, so that was there. Cowie was just loving that, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I <clears throat> actually, those I just remember gelling really well over there on those yep. bikes. Yeah, yeah, they were uh, they were pretty good back then. They were really coming into yeah. their own, right? Um, so you stay at Cowie for a long time. Uh, you win a couple championships. You lose one heartbreakingly uh you know crashing shifter carburetor coming off yeah uh, that was still to this day you know when you read back the cycle news stuff you're just like it just it just wasn't one thing it you just you had to feel like you were just so cursed or something what was going yeah, on definitely. right like definitely um did you, did you get along with turner roy turner the manager was it all that yeah yeah it was good yeah yeah um and then Obviously, you brought your dad along. How much of a fight was that? Um, at so Suzuki probably was fine, but one of the things that you insisted on, and you know, you kind of told me at one point in one of our interviews that you regretted it a little bit, was staying with your dad too long, which we'll talk about. But how much, uh, how hard was that to get your dad as your mechanic? Was it fine? Well, see, that's. I mean, those things were relative to. Um, my switching from Cowie. And then of course I think I had karma as a Geico manager because <laughs> I had a whole different perspective. Cause really what happened was, um, the reason I switched from Cowie to Suzuki the mm-hmm. second time was yep. because of them one, cause they kind of pushed my dad out. Oh, and okay. I, I just, you know, and when you're, I mean, where our family was, uh, you know connected that whole time my mm-hmm. whole career and then um i just remember how emotionally hard it was to have them feel like they you know they're taking their 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 life away from them really is what it felt like sure yeah <clears throat> and then um so i kind of i kind of did it i didn't 
I didn't want to leave Cowie. I did it because of my Roger was, you know, yeah. wooing me and telling me my dad could come and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I, I look back on that as, you know, a really bad move. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially coming from a manager's point of view years later, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because what I learned was the same thing that I was trying to tell these dads <laughs> that I was working <laughs> with that guy. They don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And, you know, we, we got years of experience. Um, you know, you know your boy. And, you know, we know your boy times 50. And I just, they, they forget that we have the, the best interest in, in mind as well. And anyway, so I, I kind of had, I was, I was that guy. I was the guy when I was at Cowie Young. You know, I was mm-hmm. kind of letting my parents do everything. I, I didn't talk to anybody. I was just doing my thing, and I just, I just made a bad call. Yeah. Uh, just mainly because I wasn't mature enough to really be involved in, you know, my world outside of yep. whatever that, that was right well, there. I, defending you, though, also, like, you are you should have won the championship in 92, you know, just bike problems and weird stuff. And then in 95, you blew your knee out, but you were the fastest guy probably. You won in 94. Like, what you and your dad were doing was working, you know? So in defense of that, I could see where you're like, well, we're – we're good. Like we're fast, you know. Yeah, I mean, and it it's just such a different perspective now. I mean, mm-hmm. I I was, um, I think you know we were selfishly our own team within that team. Yeah, and yeah. no team wants that. No, no, you're right. No. And <clears throat> so I was, you know, naive and and uh, you know younger, cockier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just didn't see that stuff, man. And, um, of course, like I said, when I got to Geico and I had to relive it from the other side of the fence, I was like, oh, yeah. I get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do know people that worked with your dad uh, on these various teams. And, yeah, they said he, yeah, you know, he was not easy to work with always. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't think nobody's, you know, calling him an asshole or anything. They're just like, yeah, Big Mike, you know, was his own thing and doing his own thing. <laughs> You know, so yeah, yeah it, it it's absolutely. Uh, I could you could see where a team where Turner or somebody would be like, wait, wait, just a minute. Was he was he a yeller at you? Like was he that? Like you're pretty self motivated. You're yeah, you know. But I was mean, he a yeller or no? Yeah, for for sure, a yeller. Um, I, but I was negatively, you know, I was negative motivation worked for me. Yep. So you and Ricky are about um, the only ones I think. RC it worked. It worked for RC too. You know. Yeah. Um, and you just, you don't want to hear it. So you do better. <laughs> uh, yeah. Somebody told me cause, uh, Robbie's dad, Robbie Renard's dad was there too. And your, and your dad. And yeah, someone was telling me back in the day, yeah, it was like just, you know, dad central running their own programs and like Robbie senior was porting the bikes and stuff. And they're just like, right. no, you can't, they're like, you can't do that. Right. You can't, you, right. you can't port the bikes. So, you know, uh, I can imagine what it was like. Like, you know, imagine if you showed up at FC days and, and Will Hahn's dad said, ah, I put a different cam in, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I get it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Mike Larocco. Appreciate it. Thank you to the folks at motorsport.com. Go through the banner on pulpamex.com to order motorsport. That helps us out. Great customer service. Dedicated team of gearheads there willing to help you out. Great return policy. Free shipping on everything over 79 bucks. Motorsport.com, OEM, and aftermarket parts. Uh, like I said, go there. There's a whole Pulp Nation section uh, as well. Thank you to the folks at motorsport.com. 
for the support. And Koba Links, uh, lowering suspension link from everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. And, uh, yeah, they'll give you, give you some more confidence on the bike, have some better uh, suspension action. And, uh, yeah, if you're shorter of stature, your wife or girlfriend rides, check out Kobalinks.com, K-O-U-B-A links.com. Code PulpMX for free shipping and uh, and a discount. Everything made up there in Boise, Idaho. So thank you to Kobalinks, Motorsport.com, Renthal, and Maxis as well. And, of course, the Fly Racing guys, of course. So let's, uh, let's talk more uh, Mike Morocco, shall we? So you go to Suzuki, and we all know that this was horrible. Um well, I guess the first year went okay, right? The first year was you won some races. Bike wasn't anywhere near as good as the Cowie, and but your dad was with you. So, uh, again, you won some races, but you weren't on your same form. And I'm guessing Roger was trying. This was Roger was brand new there too at this point. Um, in '95, he was, and then yeah, just more of the same for Suzuki, like just bike and team stuff. Yeah, that that one was. <clears throat> That one was a bit different because I, I came in, I mean, I had a pretty, pretty bad knee injury. So oh, I, okay. I wasn't, because at the end of, uh, it was at uh, Millville. Millville, yeah, first turn. In 95. I mean, but I, I, I tore ACL, MCL, meniscus, PCL. Oh. I had like one thing hanging my leg on. <clears throat> really? Was that bad? I just thought you did ACL. Oh, Mm-mm. oh wow. And, um. So I went to a couple doctors, basically said I, I wasn't going to be able to ride again. And, um, you know, that it, it was going to be a six month to a year recovery. <clears throat> and then I ended up going to, uh, I think it was, uh, Randy from Bell Helmets at the time was my, um, he got me connected with the U.S. ski team mm-hmm. and the Dr. Roddenberg, uh, put me back together and uh, I was able to – I was starting to ride at four months. It took me four months, which is the longest, you know, I'd, I'd ever been out. But so I, when I first switched, that was right after that. So I was getting arm pump. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. But I was kind of blaming myself, right, for, for my knee. I was wearing knee braces. I didn't used to wear knee braces. Just a lot of things were different. So <clears throat> for the first part of the year, I was optimistic that it was me, mm-hmm. you know. And then all of a sudden, everything just kept happening. I think every time I ride the bike, the swing arm bolts would break and foot pegs were breaking off. And, yep. you know, just it was scary. My valves were, you'd jump up onto a, you know, on off tabletop and the, the power valve would stick open. And eventually, I mean, all those close calls, you're just like, you get scared. Yeah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I was, you know, trying to work through that. And at the, at the same time, I was coming off of being the guy, no longer the guy. Yeah. And so it was hard. That kind of crushed me mentally. One, you know, I, I blamed the bike for leading me into the doubt. And then, you know, all that stuff around that went after it, you know, because at the time, Roger was, did he not just move to Suzuki? 95 was his first year. Yeah. Yeah. And so he had, uh, he had all that on his shoulders. So he didn't want to, you know, I, I'm not typically a whiner, but I was, <laughs> no. you know, um, I was just kind of like, look, I, I, I feel like I'm better than this and I, I can't, I'm scared. Like yeah. whatever. It's just new to me. I wasn't, I wasn't used to that. So I got kind of. You know, I look back and all the stuff that I did during that time, and I'm embarrassed. But at the same time, I was like, "It's not my fault. Yeah. It's not my fault." Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that one was, you know, it, it wasn't as if they weren't trying. But I mean, it, it really crushed me in my confidence. I mean, that took me back years. Yeah. So, 
I want to back. So did Suzuki sign you with your knee destroyed, or was that deal done before? Do you remember before, that? Before. Okay. Um, before. Well, it was kind of lead. I think it was pretty much before, but I don't know if I ever told anybody how bad it was. I don't think I knew that. I thought you did ACL. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was that bad you tore everything. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah, so um, I guess thankful you did the deal beforehand, um, you know, otherwise whatever. And then you tell me all this stuff, and then I look, and you still won Washougal that year. You know what I mean? Like, you're being hard on yourself, and you're saying, you're, oh, well. yeah, you still won. Like, like you know, so that, like, I think it goes to show you how good you were, you know? Well, and, and like I said, in that time, I was I was still more of an outdoor guy at that yeah. time, I think. And and I did, I did expect to win, and I was fighting through my – you know, issues. I mean, yeah, was the bike bad? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Wow. But I think the, the worst thing was, you know, that it, not trusting it. Mm-hmm. I think the bike was bad because in 97, Jeremy goes there and he won every race but one in 96. And, yeah. And he goes there and he wins two races, right? I mean, he had a couple of mechanicals. But, like, I, I, yeah, I just – I look at that as, as, like, the ultimate where the, the, the bike was bad. Um, well, I, you know. Yeah, and I kind of felt the same way because I was winning before mm-hmm. as well. Right. You famously stayed home for a weekend in 97. <laughs> like that was – and I was around then as a mechanic. That was huge news. You were you were asking for upside-down forks, right? Correct me if I'm wrong at any point here. You were asking for upside-down forks for a while. The bikes had conventionals and flexing and all that. And you couldn't get them, couldn't get them. Jeremy shows up, boom, upside-down forks. You're pissed. Uh, and then at some point you're just like, I, I, I'm not going to the race. Uh, that must've been like such a decision for you and, and your dad and everybody like, wow. Yeah. And that, that, it was, it was more than just Jeremy because, um, I was trying to, you know, get the point across that cause I don't think Roger really believed at the time in, in, in 96 that our bikes were, you know, subpar. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was putting a good effort in and, mm-hmm. I mean, he, 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 I just don't think he believed it. <clears throat> so, and, and it, Greg Albertine was my teammate at the time. And he's like, just one of those positive dudes, you know, like, yeah. and he's like, yeah, everything's great, Roger. And I'm like, no, oh, man, <laughs> quit saying that. <laughs> right, and, uh, right. Anyway, so it was kind of like a leading up to it where everybody was like, I would just look like the the asshole because you know and i've been the baby and i just i just wanted to do better and i didn't feel like um anybody was helping and you know and of course my parents magnified that like you know everybody's against you and and whatever and i I just roger wants albie to win or whatever yeah whatever it was so i just got sucked in did you did you get fined for that or did you lose money or like did, were they how pissed was he day and everybody like how did that I go? I don't remember okay. but I remember one thing that probably changed me thereafter mm-hmm. was I read something somewhere where somebody's like how disrespectful for a guy to have the luxury to get paid to ride a motorcycle for a weekend or for his living and yeah. not show up and I was like oh damn <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the bike wasn't great, and I know they were trying, right? They had the fender brace. Or they had a brace between the forks. It's yeah. Like, it's just, it, you know. It, uh, it, I just, I mean, I, I don't know. I let all that, that drama get mm. involved. And anyway, it's just immaturity. Yeah, and yeah. 
Yeah, it's so funny to look back on it now, right? And and be yeah. like, what was I thinking or what was I doing? Yeah. But um, so yeah, in a way, you lose you, you part ways with Suzuki. Did you have any other offers? Not really. Yeah, people were kind of like, yeah, yeah. I wanted to go back to Cowie. Um, and uh, Ziggy, Ziggy had you know hit me up, um, kind of in a manner like, uh, I, I know you're not done. I know there's more in you, mm-hmm. and you know that kind of thing. And and so he was trying to put something together, and I was trying to do it, you know, through Kawasaki, and they just wouldn't, they just wouldn't, and uh, no support, no nothing. And, um, so Ziggy had a, you know, a relationship with Honda from, he was a mechanic there and he was working with, um, through, what was the name of that? Um, he was kind of doing a privateer gig with, dang it, Robbie Renard and, um, who, who else was that? Oh, Primal. Primal? Primal. Yeah, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah. So he kind of had a bit where he got me some support. And um, his business credit card, and, and we we went for it. Yeah, yeah, and so, and, uh, and you and you tell your dad, hey, dad, we're. Yeah, I said, look, yep. I I was of course on the other side of, I mean, I was maturing a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was realizing the stuff that I did was, you know, why I'm in the position I'm in, and and you know his his you know I made decisions based on that, and I needed not to anymore mm-hmm. or, or them, and so. I kind of started over. Yeah. Yeah, I get my fellow Canadian, Paul Delorier, in there. Uh, yeah. Which yeah. you guys are perfect for each other because neither one talks. So <laughs> you guys really worked well together. I could see that. Um, there's an alternate world where, you know, Turner says, hey, can we – you can stay at Cowie, but, you you know, we got to get you a new mechanic. And you say yes, and you continue to thrive at Cowie, right? Yeah. I mean – there, and you make a, you know, you win more races and all that stuff. It, I mean, I'm not obviously it's not something that you stay up at night thinking about. But yes, there's an alternate world where Cowie never lets you go. I mean, you're you're probably indoors and out. You're the second best rider in the world, right? There's Jeremy McGrath and then there's you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So funny to look back at that sliding doors a little bit. So. You know, I I I, of, I often um, you know as an adult go well. I had a long post. I mean, I had a long career with Ziggy mm-hmm. as a racer and post. Um, there's that path, and then there's the path. Um, I stay in Cali, and my results are better. Yep. And, yep. you know, you don't know which you would rather have. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing your salary, though, was, wasn't much these first few years, right? I mean, they can't – you got clothing money from O'Neill and – Yeah, that, yeah. that record scrounged up. Right, right. Like a big hit for a guy like you. For sure. Yeah. Uh, did you like that early Honda? That 98, 99? It was only the second year of aluminum frame. I, I recall a lot of guys bitching about it. Yogi Yogi made it work here and there. But I think uh, somebody told me, like, yeah, the, the frame is really too stiff, but LaRocco is just such a beast that he doesn't notice it. <laughs> so well, that's what I was told by a Honda guy. <laughs> well, then, that, honestly, that, that happened. And the same thing, like I told you when I went to the, the – the 96 Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Like I did, I just, you know, it is what it is. You take it on. I didn't really, I just did my work. And then, you know, as time went on in my career, you know, when, you know, I rode that Honda, I mean, I would, my hands will get blown off the handlebars <laughs> and like all these things were happening. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. You know, and finally I started tuning in on the fact that that thing was a monster to ride. It was very unforgiving. And, you know, all the stuff that, 
you know, that they're saying was right. And it just took me a minute to, besides, I mean, I was like optimistic to have a ride. <laughs> so anyway, just just different. And yes. And then I think I worked on that Honda the whole time I was there after that. Yeah. And which I think helped me in my position with Geico because I, you know, I had a super good feel by that time and, you know, enough wisdom to, 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 you know, articulate to the text. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of made a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I mean, again, you, like you said that you stay, you, you get hooked up with this Ziggy guy and then you end up, you know, managing the team, riding for him forever. Right. And yeah. doing big things. And certainly the bike comes around and all of that. Um, and there's, there's your future. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah it's interesting for sure to, uh, to hear that. I think your career is fascinating in a sense and I, and I've told my my buddy Ferry this too. He doesn't care though, but may, and maybe you know. <laughs> but I've t- I think your career is fascinating, Mike, and his is for the same reason. When you came in, it's Rick Johnson and Jeff Ward, like at the top of the sport, and yeah. you go through them to Bradshaw and Stanton, to Stewart and Reed Carmichael. Like it's just it's phenomenal. The 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 er- you you spend a two stroke era and a four stroke era. Then you start seeing this guy scrubbing and soaking up jumps, and like you're having to adapt to all this, you're having to adapt to different machinery, and I, I mean, it's just fascinating when you think about when, from where you came in to when you exited, the revolution of the sport. Like when Marty Smith came in to when Marty Smith leaves, nothing much changes, two strokes and single shocks and whatever. You, and I guarantee you never thought of it this, Mike, because you just don't think about this stuff. But uh, it's just such a such a jump in evolution for you from when you started to when you leave. Phenomenal. I mean, I, I have had that perspective. I okay. Mean, I, okay. I, um, I'm not so much about how much the sport changed, but you know, the, 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 the speeds, yeah. the speeds for sure have, you know, changed over time. And I mean, I do remember, um, I do remember, the evolution of suspension as well. I remember a particular, I was at Glen Helen testing one day with Cowie and we mm-hmm. had just gotten these new KYB forks and I, I over jumped. I, I mean, back then it was singles, right? Yep. You send it. Yep. And then there was a, a bunch of acceleration bumps right where I was coming down. So I do this big brace cause I'm going to stick my front wheel right in a square edge. Uh-huh. And it was like, nothing i was like what (laughs) (laughs) right i was ready for the bars to twist and yeah you know and uh so there's there's a ton of evolution you know and and you you can see our sport change and what you know riders are uh, have done you know from that period forward like which is kind of crazy because we can go back and ride those old twin shock bikes and do some jumps that you would have never done on them but yeah you know you have uh you, you have the the skill set because you were, you know, you, you know, you can't. Yeah. It's gotta be crazy. Did you, did you like, as you got older and you're watching James, are you just like, Oh my God, fuck my life. Like, 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 cause you got, I mean, look, you're not, you know, you're not as good as him. Let's say you're older now, but you still want to take some things and try to do what he does. Right. Well, that kind of, that's what set me off in my career. So in two, when did he come in? He came, 2005. Oh, 2005. Well, he, 125s, he came in in uh, 02, yeah. And so 05, he moved up. Yep. Yeah, so I remember, that, and you can tell, like 04, I was kind of a podium guy. And then 05, like what happened there was, um, 
I was like, man, I know I can do that, but I do not want to. <laughs> he was doing stuff out of the yeah. corner that, yeah. um, you know, I'm heavier and I don't have that, I don't know, shimmy yep. that, you know, and uh, I just kind of, that put me in defense. And once I started in defense, I was already at the point where, you know, um, when I did Supercross only, which I think 2005 would have been the first year. Yeah, I think so. Yep. <clears throat> um, it was already more of a business at that point. You know, because I wasn't really willing to take the risk that those guys were taking. Mm -hmm. And I never really lined up at the gate not thinking I can win until then, you know. Yeah. And so it it just turned into a business at that point. And um, although I was still getting decent results, it just wasn't the same. Did you adapt well to four strokes? I mean, it was kind of. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I did. I. It's not that I didn't adapt to them. It's just like, like I said, when I say defense, it was like when you're on a two-stroke, you know, you kind of knew the thing in and out. You did, you know, my my own jetting, and like mm-hmm. I kind of, yep. I knew it. And with a four-stroke, <clears throat> I mean, it, it was just, it was simple as uh, I could walk the track on the two-stroke days and go, man, you know, I, I, you know, if we could do that, but it'd be everything we had. Yeah. And with the four stroke, it was like, man, you could do that, but no way, <laughs> no way. And it just kind of went like, it just, everything changed. It was yeah. like the bike was more capable than I was willing to be. And, but also I was 30. Yeah. Six. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so my mind was already well aware from my experience that yeah. there's danger involved. It's funny you say that. Red Dog told me the same thing. On a two-stroke, he knew, hey, look, this is uh, this is second out of the turn, everything I got, yeah. and I'm going to clear, and I'm going to go right there. And I just, if I just, you know, everything I got out of the turn. And he's like, four strokes, you're like, oh, boy, like, I don't know, like maybe three quarters or whatever, like, yeah. you know. So, yeah, interesting. Um, it was yeah, there was also the bog factor on the yeah. two-stroke. You, you, you were like, uh, I mean, it's probably going to bog, so I, I'm going to yank hard. But it just all changed. Yeah. Uh, did you ever think about doing outdoors only, or no? Just too much work because <clears throat> you were a better outdoor guy. Let's face it. But um, you know, I think the fans loved you outdoors, right? You were the hammerhead guy coming through the pack, grabbing wins late in the <laughs> moto. Um, were, did you ever think about that? Well, and that, and that was the same thing. I mean, just a season or two before, you know, Stewart came in, Ricky was doing that outdoors. And I remember um, he was the first guy that was fit enough that fast. You know, he was one mm-hmm. that kind of came through that could go the distance. Everybody else was, you know, fast at one point. But, you know, I'd give him 10 minutes and that would be all right, you know. <clears throat> um, but... I kind of remember jumping in behind him at, uh, I think it was actually Redbud, and it was a bunch of ruts, and mm-hmm. I just couldn't focus going that fast. You know, like, <laughs> wow. uh, yeah, yeah. It was, and <clears throat> I, it wasn't that I, I have a seeing problem. I just, I don't know. It's yep. just, I, I couldn't um, feel like I had it together, and I just felt like I was on the edge. And at that time, I, I wasn't riding on the edge. So just kind of, didn't really develop any desires to to go out there and try to go that fast. Yeah, yeah. Who uh, who frustrated you more? Was it Ricky or Jeremy? Like, I mean, Jeremy, you're at your peak, right? But but Ricky, you're still pretty damn good and, and a potential race winner uh, when he comes in the class. Um, but Jeremy, you know, obviously was better than you in indoors. Um, 
Who got you madder? Well, Who got you like more well, pissed Jer- off? Jeremy motivated me because I know there was times I could beat him. Yeah. You know, like I could see, I know what he did. I know he was, he was a smart racer. He got out there, mm-hmm. put in good, you know, 10 laps and then just <laughs> did what he had to do. <clears throat> and I knew that. So, um, you know, I was like, I was more frustrated with myself with him because I, I do think that, you know, when we would go head to head that I had a good chance. And when Ricky came in, it wasn't just Ricky. I mean, I, I was doing all those bike changes at the time. I mean, I had my own struggles. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I didn't really uh, – I, I looked to Ricky as changing the speed of outdoors. Yep. Um, but I wasn't where I was when I was racing Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, I imagine at times Jeremy, you know, California kid doing knack-knacks. Everybody's loving him. You're quiet Indiana guy. Uh, finishing second a ton, and and you know everybody loves Jeremy. You're just like fuck this guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, frustration I, level, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You might not know this, but I'm not super charismatic, <laughs> and <laughs> yes, I'm aware. I, that, that stuff just didn't bother me. Oh, it I, didn't. Okay, yeah. No, no, like I mean, I I actually think it was good for the sport. Yep. Um But I always used to say to myself when you. Know, the neck neck, you know, like who's there? I'd be like, I am sucker. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. that was internalized. You know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right. Uh, had to have been, had to been tough at times to, well, maybe not though. Like you said, you're just, you're like, I can beat this guy. I just got to, right. the problem was, like you said, he put in unbelievably 10, 10 good laps. And if you're yeah. not starting with him, you're not getting them, you know? Right. So that was probably a big, I mean, and he, he had um you know he had a lot of luxuries like i remember talking to skip norfolk which was his longtime mechanic at the time and you know he had some really great advice from the you know to the to jeremy like with you know mental toughness and you know kind of like keeping him pepped up and Mm -hmm. and focused and i mean i i was uh whatever i had to learn i learned i learned on my own you know i just didn't have that um you know, somebody kind of giving you some great guidance. You know, my dad would be like, all right, you got, you know, you got this job right now and you got treated like a job. Yeah. I'm like, like, what do you mean? He's like, well, nine to five, do whatever you need to do to get better. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, That's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, and I mean, yeah. go ahead. Not, not that there wasn't more advice, but I mean, yeah. the general yes. statement is, is, uh, it's kind of on my own. And I felt like, uh, after talking to skip, uh, you know, afterwards, I was like, man, you did that? Good job. <laughs> good, good work. Yeah. Uh, Skip lives here in Vegas now. I see him all the time. Um, yeah, right on. Uh, do you, did, were you the type of guy, like, I don't know for sure, but I imagine you were the type of guy like, hey, I'm going to be in California for testing and for Supercross, but then, like, as soon as the weather breaks, I am gone, and I'm going to go ride yeah. Supercross and Motocross out at my house? For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I had my, my land and my track and mm-hmm. my – tractors and and all that stuff and um i did eventually um you know i was kind of i do it was around that whole era change with uh when i went to with ziggy um i i was kind of just maturing and knowing that um you know it really to take care of all that land and track and tractors and stuff that's a distraction Mm -hmm. you know and um so i i think in 1998 i ended up buying a place in california yeah and um, you know, just kind of, just, just yeah, doing moving on from right. that. Yeah. What about these? Um, 
these infamous training camps you would run with the Geico guys. Oh, there's some good stories from that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Will, uh, Will Hahn and burpees and blowing his hands off the bar. Barsha yeah. taking everybody out, including his teammates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Um, and, and when I came, you know, um, old school uh, and those kids, um, I mean, those, if you reflect on uh, my first couple years at Geico, those guys would be – out front leading we have you know we're looking really good Mm -hmm. and then 20 minutes in you know here comes pc you know going by all my guys right yeah so super frustrating and you know i i I just knew from my experience like those guys you know as soon as that first hint of pain comes up like they're caving in (laughs) Uh their mental changes oh all of a sudden i can't do it you know, like they just didn't really have, um, I don't think they were taught how to work through it. And so that was kind of the reason I made them suffer because I felt like, um, it did two things. One, you know, it brought the team together and two, I think, you know, the guys that didn't hate me for it, you know, the guys that like will and, and are they on the other side of it, you know, understand what I was trying to do. Yeah. It was definitely, uh, man was, did I get in a lot of trouble? <laughs> <laughs> there was that. yeah there, somebody i don't know what it, yeah i heard i heard that you blew out their arms before a race and no one could hold on to their bikes or something there was that was i mean obviously it was exaggeration but one well of, it was yeah. uh so i did um we had a moto at uh at my property mm-hmm. and so i <clears throat> i kind of had um uh it was Every time you had to do 100 push-ups, um, but every time you took a break, you had to do five burpees or something. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and so first one, excuse me, is the, yeah. you know, gets to head out to the moto first. So that was Will, and yeah, I had a big jump, and he landed on the other side. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. Blew, blew his hands off. Couldn't hold on. It's great. Great story. Yeah. Um. How much of a how much was it to to manage Barsha early on? Was it a full time full time deal um, for you? Like you're just like between yeah, well, mom and dad he, and him and and everything that went on. Yeah, well, yes, because um, not so much Barsha. Like Barsha was, um, I mean, he he went home, he did his work, he yeah. got the race. No yeah. matter what happened the week before, during the week, whatever, he, he could just a drop it and go out there and race. And I, I love that about him. Yes. Um, so more with Barsha, I was like, dude, just like, don't go straight for the front wheel. Like turn it just a little bit. So it looks like an accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, come on, man. I yeah. mean, you can be aggressive. And I liked it because everybody was afraid of him. You know, not, yep. not unlike, you know, I had a bit of a reputation, right. But anyway that that was the harder part of barsha and then um you know i was i seen a lot in him yeah but he was kind of um i don't know what the right word is kind of like really committed to mtf mm-hmm. and i really didn't think i could get through to them him in the way that i think he needed um you know with all that involvement from everybody else yeah. so i was trying to get him to spend more time in california and then you know that Lorraine wasn't happy with that, so she came after me, <laughs> and uh, you know, kind of just, just 
just growing pains. I mean, not unlike I went through and, you know, I get to deal with it on the other side going, oh, yeah, I right. see. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, I, I remember Kehoe told me one time, he told Barsha, Kehoe was Honda then, but he's like, hey, man, you're going to have a hard time winning a championship when even the lappers want to kill you. You know what I mean? Like, like even the lappers are going to try to not let you buy because they because you clean right. them out at some seated practice. You know, so yeah. it's just like, yeah, kind of, kind of get a hold of that. Come on, Justin, figure it out. But you know, he does remind me of you in a little bit, not in takeout part of things, but that dude's a racer. Puts his helmet yep. on, and there's no quit. And he makes sometimes he makes questionable decisions, which you didn't make, but uh, he, he does remind me he's a racer, which I you yep. have to tip your advisor to him. You know, yeah, and I, and I saw that early. Yeah, yeah. Which so I guess for you, you're like, look, there's a lot of things around this kid, but on the track, there's a lot of heart and there's a lot of effort. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, uh, good stuff. Uh, thanks, Mike. I appreciate the time, man. I think I got all the questions out that I that I had for you. So I know you didn't, you know, you don't love talking, but uh, I think we did a good job here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's easier on the on the phone. How I. Feel like people are looking at me. <laughs> true, that that is true. Uh, no, man, I just wanted to catch up. Uh, uh, you had a tremendous career on and off the bike, and I think my listeners, I got a few people the last say year that are like, "What's up with Mike Larocco?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know. Let's let's see what's up, Mike, with Mike Larocco." So that's why I reached out to you, and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time for us and, and all of that, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's good talking. Thanks very much. Uh, Fly Racing Race Rex Podcast with Mike LaRocco. Be well, Mike. And if I can help you out at all, let me know, man. All right, take care. Thanks. Bye. This has been the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners.